0: Hey, Rock and Roll Bedheads, remember, you've got a shot at going to Louder Than Life Music Festival, courtesy of Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. It takes place in Louisville, Kentucky. It happens September 21st through the 24th of this year, and the bands, it's just absolutely insane. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm only going to read the names of bands that I plan on seeing, if at all possible. All right? So this is just one man's journey at this music festival. Uh, Rancid, Foo Fighters. Uh, Definitely want to see Fever 333. If you've never uh, heard of those guys, check them out. Um, I would really like to see Pierce the Veil. Um, I'm hoping I get to catch a set from Green Day, from Queens of the Stone Age, from Turnstile, from Rival Sons, from Billy Talent. Uh, How about Senses Failed? The Viagra Boys are going to be there. AWOL Nation. Uh, Every time I look at the lineup, I find more names that I've forgotten are going to be there. Anyway, if you want tickets, check the show notes Find the link and sign up. Tell us what five bands you want to see there, and you could be headed there. We will pick a winner mid-July so you can make plenty of preparations that you need uh, to be here in September in Louisville, Kentucky for Louder Than Life Music Festival. Holy cow. Okay, now let's get on to a Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories spinoff episode, BS Conversations. This is the show where we sit down with folks who are making the magic happen, folks who are making the music, who are writing about it, uh, who are entertaining in some way, shape, or form, and want to join us for a more long-form conversation. And this week, we've got one of my all-time favorite dudes to rap with. Uh, Brett Newsky is from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we allude to this in the conversation, but he was a, a guest. I don't know frequent guest is the term, but I think a multiple uh, times appearing guest On Ice Cream Headache, the podcast, Murdoch and I's first show that dates all the way back to 2011. Um, And over that time, we've kept very loosely in touch. And and I've really loved watching Nooski's uh, career as it's taken off. And he's toured all across the country and all across the world playing with bands that you know and love. And we get to have a nice long chat about all of that stuff. And uh, it's really, really fun. So I hope you will enjoy it. Also, he has a great podcast called Dirt from the Road, where he gets to uh, convince his friends that he meets along the way to join him for long form conversations. And if you go look at the guest list of this show, uh, I just I really had to fight the temptation to just like ask him about the people that he's had on his show because there's a lot of really, really cool ones. Uh, he's had guys from the Thermals, from Letters to Cleo, from We Are Scientists, from Sparta, um, the Joy Formidable, Stephen Kellogg, uh, who I saw last summer play several dates. All sorts of folks have given him time, sat down, and had long conversations about the unique uh, opportunities and challenges of being a touring road musician. That's called Dirt from the Road with Brett Neusky. Uh The band is called Newski, and he is just named Brett. Brett Newski, he's the guest on BS Conversations this week. Rock and roll bedtime stories. Enjoy and keep telling stories.
1: technically in Louisville. I've always had an affinity toward Louisville. I, I even thought about moving there once when I was uh, kind of in between exits just trying to figure out my
0: my shit. But I love that city. It's been good to me. Well, on the old show, we would talk to comedians all the time and they would always say that uh, they a lot of them at some point had lived briefly in Louisville because it was so equidistant to so many places around the East Coast and Midwest that you could just sort of use it as a hub
1: yeah it's like the gateway to the to the south maybe it 's like the Milwaukee of the South or something i don't know but it <laughs> we, it's, we it's actually cool. we tried
0: putting that on t shirts for a while it never took off but, but. <laughs> you didn't sell any co- one copy. <laughs> we got a lot of weird louisville t shirts but that would that would for some reason Milwaukee of the South never happened yeah
1: two cities that really don't like get recognition on like a national level and that 's probably why they 're so cool like they 're kind of under the radar and if if the buzz got out all the uh all the new york business boys would move in and it'd be a different place you know and
0: we're in states that aren't super sexy right like i mean i think wisconsin's a little better than kentucky but like
1: no it's not sexy (laughs) i mean we're, we're i think we're the second fattest state actually um but uh it's i think it's the best state like i mean obviously i'm a little biased but i've been lucky to travel all over the place uh in the u.s and uh I mean, I think Wisconsin is just just magic, you know. I just got back from the Driftless Region on the west side of the state, and it's just like lakes, rolling hills. Uh, you know, it's like the little logo on the license plate or the, or the postcards, like old red barns, um, little cute dairy farms from the from the '40s that are still there. It's uh, it's just yeah, it's magic.
0: So, when did you start traveling, playing music? I know you've been playing music forever, but when did when did you start really making a go of it?
1: I I was kind of backpacking around as an aimless, you know, 20 year old and uh, I've always loved traveling, but when I would get out and travel without, I I would just wander and not really have a purpose. And that was like kind of bad for my brain. I would just really kind of spiral out and like get kind of crushing lonesomeness. Um, So I started just putting together gigs along the way or or, you know, trying to find places to record just so I had like a mission while I was traveling at age twenty, twenty one. Um a lot of traveling around Asia and um yeah it music it kind of dawned on me that I could do both at the same time. And, you know, I I think after a gig in Bangkok, which I didn't really even expect to get paid for the promoter came up and he was British and he was like, yeah, you know, pretty good show. Yeah. Right. And, uh, here's a hundred bucks yeah, or whatever the Thai bot version of a hundred bucks was. So it's like, shit, I just got a hundred dollars to play like 10 acoustic punk songs and that, you know, a hundred dollars in Bangkok. Yeah you could stretch that for a week. So that was kind of a moment where I was like, holy shit, like, if I'm traveling on a budget, I can, even if I'm not really known over here, I can, I can kind of pay my way. And then it just became like, all right, let's just, let's just go for it. Let's just, uh, figure out how to do it. Get, get shows on the books, learn how to keep a crowd, um, learn how to learn how to travel, learn how to promote a show and actually get people to come to it. And, um, it just slowly got a little better every
0: year, and here I am, like fifteen years later, still doing it. So I love this story because it's like sort of the opposite of a lot of people, right? Like they're like, "Hey, I'm going. I've I've, like, I've made this craft. I've sculpted this thing, and now I'm going to go out and everyone needs to needs to see it." And I showed off, and you were like, "How do I get from point A to point B to point C?" Oh, I guess I could play music in between and get people to pay me. Like I love the idea that it's you're a wanderer and you were looking for a way to continue wandering as opposed to you were going to wander and you know, because you had something to show off.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the main purpose was to just not go insane. I feel like I have to be doing some sort of creative project just to kind of, I don't know what it is, just to kind of fill space in my brain or feel some sort of illusion of progress or something that I'm not just, you know, being a couch boy or, a, you know, aimlessly wandering around. And with, it's it's with, not
0: just music. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you do art. You, you, I was in a, but I was, I, remember I texted you at one point. Cause was like a couple of years ago. I was at a, at a random store and I was like, did new write a book? What, what is this book doing in this <laughs> store? Uh, so, I mean, you've done all sorts of stuff.
1: Yeah, I did make a book. Since I talked to you last, it's called "It's Hard to Be a Person: Defeating Anxiety, Surviving the World, and Having More Fun." And it's just like a humor meets mental health book—just a lot of depression comedy, anxiety humor, stuff this like a that. Depression so.
0: comedy—that's the best. Bad- it really is. All <laughs> joking aside, a pretty big subgenre anymore.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, when it, I put it out a year and a half ago, and it, you know that wasn't as much of a thing people were talking about. Now it's kind of coming into the mainstream and the vernacular, but people are kind of using comedy and mental health a lot more, um, which is good, you know? So that's cool. And it, it kind of, uh, it kind of latched onto the culture a bit and it was, it was really neat. Like, you know, it sold well for a DIY release and they had me on all the, the, I was, I think I was even on Fox news at one point, um, <laughs> that's you, CBS. That's you know you made it. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was during the pando. So I could just do all this press from home and I was just like calling into all these news stations. And it's weird. Cause you like, you basically do like a canned pitch. Cause you're like on the show for like three to five minutes. Right, you, right. you know how that goes. So, right. um, but it was fun and it was, it was kind of a thrill and it, it didn't really have anything to do with music, but you know, a lot of my lyric writing touches on mental health and the albums, too. So it it, it loosely tied in and we could, uh, you know, we took it on tour um, and kind of presented it at the shows and, and still do. So, um, yeah, it's it's fun to make stuff outside of music creatively. Like I need to have other arts projects going.
2: energy from people
0: You know, one thing we talk about on the show a lot, uh, on the Rock and Roll Bedtime Story show, is, uh, you know, origin stories, right? From bands and rumors and all this sort of stuff. We'll get into that. But one thing I like to ask people like yourself is like, what's your rock and roll origin story? Like beyond, you know, becoming a performer yourself, when did you find music?
1: I think just sitting around the radio as a kid and just being really mind blown by... What was coming on the airwaves at as a i don 't know how old I was six seven eight nine year old and discovering like distorted guitars for the
0: first time Dude, and remember you that know, moment where you like yeah, you're like big. wait, they press a button <laughs> like how does that yeah. work? with their foot <laughs> like, I remember that too, yeah yeah
1: it was it was cool i mean i mean I, this is before I even knew what a guitar was or or a musical instrument, but you know, I remember like my dad would take me, he'd go play basketball in the park on like Saturdays. And like, I would like bring a boom box and like try to save up all the batteries because this is before Walkman or uh, Discman or whatever. <laughs> so I would like burn through like four massive batteries. It probably cost my parents like $20 for me to listen to this giant boom box <laughs> in a park by myself <laughs> for a couple hours. But I would just wait around and like uh, when I come around by Green Day would come on and I'd be like, oh, holy shit. Um, and that was just exciting. I, you know, it was cool when, I mean, music just had way more value back then. I mean, I know I sound like an old fart, but uh, you know, there was just less of it to be had. You couldn't get your hands on it all at once. So, when a song came on that you wanted yeah. to hear, you remember? I mean, that was a big Dude, fucking so deal. You
0: you would hold that. You would you know, like my fingers would hover above the record and play on the
1: okay you know on the cassette and
0: you'd listen to radio and you'd be like i think i hear it and they're talking you know about the the car sale that they're going to be at this weekend or whatever and you're like is that the beginning of when i come around is that it (laughs) is that it? And you're trying to time it perfectly so that you get it without the person talking i mean and i would i would make these tapes i've probably talked about this before and i put and i would eventually get a walkman and i'd put them in the walkman and then I would ride my bike in a loop that would just go from the top of my driveway up around a tree up by the, by the side door and then down into the carport and just ride that loop and be like, like, you know, oh, in, yeah. my, in my head, I was listening to Firehouse, Love of a Lifetime, and it was like, I'm in a movie. This is the greatest thing ever. And then I'd open my eyes and realize I was about to run into a pine tree.
1: Right, right. Well, yeah. Well, you are rewarded for the work you put in on those mixtapes. You know, it like takes effort and time <laughs> oh, to like yeah. build these things. And then, you know, you have it, you have it in your, uh, your player and it's like
0: it just hits you harder you know so i would try to learn the lyrics to songs and so i would take the walkman and i would put the headphones on i would sit at the kitchen table and i would like write down the like who does this now right like who was the last time somebody sat down and was like i'm gonna like learn the lyrics to this song unless they're like performing it somewhere and i'm just for my own edification gonna write down hand uh lyrics to, to learn and so there's like certain songs that are like totally random that i know Every single word to because I learned them this way. One of them is American Pie. (laughs) Like I did that, which is a commitment. That's like an eight-minute song, right? That runs through rock and roll history through metaphor. Uh, But I know every word to that. Like I could karaoke that song right now without a screen uh, because of that practice that I invented when I was like in fifth grade.
1: Wow. Well, that must have got tough for you in the '90s when singers stopped enunciating, and you're like, (laughs) "What was that lyric?" Yeah, there were no Pearl Jam songs in my in my notebook. But there's lyrics to this day where I've listened to the song a thousand times. Even Say It Ain't So by Weezer, probably my favorite song of all time. Like somebody told me some bridge lyric that I thought it was something else for the past yep. 25 years. I was like, that's the lyric? Like I never
0: <laughs> knew that's what he said because it's just hard to hear. I think that's where I, as a child, f- understood brand recognition for what a Heineken was. Like, I don't I don't think I knew because the somebody's hiney is crowding my icebox. And I was like,
1: oh, yep, yep. somebody's butt. Like, what's happening in the icebox? Maybe it's a double
0: entendre. I I don't think so. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. River Rivers has always been a little bit on the suspect side in terms of his lyric writing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that was before it, it got really cheesy. At some point, he just decided
0: like he's like doing an exercise every time he writes Cause he's just written so many damn songs. Cause I mean, Weezer has just so been so prolific and you know, you, you can have whatever opinion you want of them, but they're putting out a lot of music. And so mm. there's like one album where he's got this song, where's my sex. And I read that like somebody asked him about it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, that was actually just a conversation in my house about where all the kids' socks were. They were looking for their socks, and I just changed <laughs> the word socks to sex in every line, and they just made it the song. And now you listen to That's it, and you're like, it's literally Yeah, it's literally like it's like <laughs> maybe my sex is in my closet, maybe my sex is in the washing machine. You're like, what? this is so subversive. Like, no, it's just it's supposed to be socks.
1: <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. All right, I don't think he should have maybe said that publicly, but whatever.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It's my fa- I, I I love it it may be it at least like <laughs> there's a self-awareness thing right like of like call it what it is and let's let's know who we are, not necessarily live behind this mystique. We live in a in a day and age, right where like and that's you know, on this show we talk about mystique all the time and like the things that the legends and the lore that grow up around rock rock and rollers. and I joke now that like I feel like this current batch of folks who are just getting old enough to write memoirs. Are writing the boringest memoirs of all time, like because older millennials who now are like at the point where they can write about their career have all been through therapy, and so it's all much more like, well, we were fighting a little bit as a band, but then we all went to see our therapists, and everything sort of worked out, and so it's, it's like it's totally different than when you're reading about guys in the the sixties and seventies who were just you know holding grudges for decades.
1: We were just driving around the country listening to. Steven Adler's autobiography or memoir, the guy from the drummer from uh, Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like every, every musician memoir is the exact same. If it's like a drug story, you know, and it and you can't stop listening. It's like horrible. And this guy, like, this, he's just like an open book and i like i mean this guy sucks dude like he's like the worst guy of all time
0: here's my takeaway it,
1: from his bit more he sucks oh my god <laughs> um but like it's like you're gonna listen to it it's like super entertaining like the shit he would divulge like yeah i was having seizures and just as i was having seizures i was shooting more heroin and i was twitching out my banging my face against the bathroom tile floor but i just couldn't stop and like Oh, or uh, he'd be like, oh, yeah. And then I would go over to Slash's house and there'd be like 20 chicks blowing us. And it was awesome, dude. <laughs> like <in the>, and <laughs> he goes into much more graphic detail than that. But it, he'd be like, oh, oh yeah, God. these these babes, it was awesome.
0: Yeah. It, and so, I mean, we joke often that we could have a whole spinoff series on this show just about Guns N' Roses. We've done several episodes, but it's like just every everything they did, they, they sort of are held up as this like ultimate in excess, right? And so yeah, great example. And and he, there's a guy, I mean, and that's the drummer, right? Like that's not that's not Axel or Slash. <laughs> um, well, the drummer can
1: ease can fuck off the easiest because he doesn't have to sing. You know what you know what I mean? He has like the least responsibilities. He doesn't have to set up his own drums. Like Axel Rose during the whole story, he's like not around. I mean, right. I'm sure he's partying right. and banging ladies and being an asshole but he could i don't think he could party on the level of all the other guys because he had to sing oh, you know?
0: We, we so it's, we did this episode at the beginning of this past year uh that was about buckethead when buckethead joined guns and roses i don't know if you know about any of oh those. i don't i don't know about this but there's a period where the guitarist buckethead who literally wore a kfc bucket on his head, i remember him yeah you know, he yeah. joined Guns N' Roses for a couple of years. And there's like the best part of this episode, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't heard it, is that there is this documented thing that happened where Buckethead was recording for Chinese Democracy, which is the the album that doesn't come out for like a decade that they work on forever. Mm-hmm. Right. And it becomes this this classic example of a huge disappointment in a band's catalogue because there's all this buildup for it. And so Buckethead's recording for it, and he tells the producer that to get in the zone, he needs a chicken coop. So they build him a chicken coop because he like plays a character and like doesn't really talk. And so like most people don't really know. So they build him a, an actual chicken coop and put chickens in it in the recording studio. And then he starts... He puts a TV in there and starts watching porn while he's recording and <laughs> Axel comes in one day and like axel's not around right like this is what made me think of it like Axel is like sort of it, operating independently, and so the band is showing up to do these things at his behest with the producer and Axel walks into the studio one day and sees this happening and gets really offended because Buckethead is watching porn, and I just get so hung up on this because i'm like you're axl rose wow. why are you upset what the hell? yeah that yeah, seems yeah, yeah. very hypocritical to me i don't know what phase you were he, in or what religion you were he in. just
1: didn't even notice the chicken coop <laughs> you're just like you're watching porn why
0: <laughs> focusing on the ron cox ron cox dude you've got actually, exactly, actually live yeah. roosters in, in this place oh. um,
1: all that stuff just makes sense to me based on guns i mean we tried to listen to guns and roses like after the book and we put it on and it's like
0: we're like no we can't i can't it is a uh yeah it's a certain mindset for sure Uh, so i mean like i'm curious do you run into you know have you had personal experiences with rock and roll lore of this level? Have you, I know you've worked with a lot of, of notable musicians and people and you've traveled all over the world. Like what, what's your sort of rock and roll lore story that you've experienced or seen personally?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty far removed from any of this, like, you know, super excess party life. Like I don't, I don't run into like, a list super rock celebrities like I'm not rubbing elbows with Bono and shit, but you know, just like in indie celebrities, indie rock celebrities, like mid level bands from the '90s. You know, we do shows with, um, and they're all super down to earth. And especially if they're still playing, like they've got their shit together. Maybe they had a party era that, we, but yeah, nothing. But now they're like doing protein note.
0: shakes and and regular work. Yeah, out, so. yeah, like um, <laughs> they might like go hard for mass station coffee, discipline. but that's like it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Like tremendous discipline. Um, most, most of my elders don't even drink anymore. Uh, some, some of them do, but, uh, you see a lot of those guys kind of just retire from the sauce cause it, it can just, it makes things harder, you know, even if you're not a big booze bag, it's just, uh, I don't know. So, but yeah, I don't have any like meeting my heroes and being like ultra disappointed stories or anything, you know, it's like everyone's been pretty nice to me, which is cool.
0: Yeah. But you have a podcast too, which we have not talked about, uh, which is really fun because you get to have these sorts of conversations with people. And what, you know, what's, what have you heard from folks when you, uh, throughout the course of that show, where maybe they told you a story and you were a little shocked by it?
1: Well, I think, uh, I've had Brian Vander Ark of the Verve pipe on a couple times on dirt from the road. And he's just a really funny dude and, um, great storyteller. I call him like my second string uncle or something. Um, and he toured with Kiss in the 90s because oh, they were on a yeah. major label and the label was hooking him up. Like they were hooking him up with like movie roles. He was in the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg. We we have done an episode uh, about
0: the movie Rockstar.
1: He said it was like they're playing arenas and it was like the worst shows of their life. Like Kiss fans like hated them. Well, plus They're like, hit, you suck. And they're was throwing like... beer bottles at, at them while they're singing. No one's listening. So I, I mean, that would be demoralizing that many thousands of people and everyone hates it. Oh, yeah. You
0: know, can you imagine it? Well, and in the case of the verve pipe, the, the song that people know them for is not an upbeat rocker. Like, so to be, uh, yeah. you know, that to play that next to, to kiss is not ideal.
1: Yeah, totally. And, um, Willie Porter, who's like a Milwaukee guy, yeah. uh, kind of more in the Dave Matthews kind of genre. He's been a full-time guy for, for decades, but, uh, he told me a funny story where, he was like in his 20s opening for some bigger band. I don't know who it was, like OAR, or something like that. And uh, they would play pranks on each other. And the, the the opening band would always get it the worst. So I, I guess he was like playing some ballad toward the end of his set. And the stage manager from the headliner had like uh, fishing lined a dildo up in the rafters. <laughs> and as he's playing this ballad, like the crowd is like laughing and he's like, why are they laughing at this song? It's like a sad ballad. And like the roadie is like lowering like this huge (laughs) black dildo over Willie's head, like all the way down until the tip of the dildo almost touches the top of his head. And then the crowds like laughing and cheering. And then he, and then he reels it back up. So, um, I thought that was pretty good.
0: (laughs) You've never had a breaks like that played on you. You know,
1: we do nothing that that's that advanced, but, uh, Yeah, we're pranking all day in the van, you know. I I've been drinking tea a lot like cuz it's a it's a great tour hack cuz you know, you just fill up hot water at a gas station. Yeah. And then boom, you've got tea, free tea <laughs> all day. Oh, so tea. I have all these like excess like tea bags that are great for pranks, you know, to like throw at people and uh, people get really you know, confused
0: when you're like, "Yeah, we tea bag on the face." On, on on tour. Yeah, it's it's just We do. Yeah, bagging. I tea
1: bag. <laughs> I teabag at will, Brian. <laughs>
2: Control Traffic in my head No, but she
0: thing i love to discuss with folks uh who have the rock and roll itch like yourself is you know what is the rock rumor like from rock history that you remember hearing first
1: i guess i was always just shocked at the way at the endurance of
0: people's ability to party
1: right um and i know that's a general statement but uh no, I totally only when you like s-
0: totally know what you're talking about
1: yeah like these guys they're on tour like 220 days a year and like they're out drinking every night and like doing sex. Like, how is like, how are you still alive? <laughs> and then, and then you start researching this stuff and you're like, Oh, that guy's dead. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you hear the stories of the people that are still alive, but there's like, Oh, this guy, you know, his liver shut down and, uh, he can't walk anymore. Yeah, I mean, so, the
0: Stephen Adler memoir, like,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, that was just a time where no one really knew how to be famous yet. And like, la- like labels were like these massive money laundering schemes for the mob for the most mm-hmm. part. Yep. Um. So there was just like this infinite money floating around and, uh, you know, musicians who are neurotic and mentally unstable to begin with are being floated all this cash and all this excess and the, you know, a team of yes men every night, you know, babes like waiting in line to party with them on their tour bus. So you're just constantly being just like bludgeoned by stimulation um and there's no playbook for it like no one really knows how to how to do this yet you know there's no discipline yet there's no guys being like hey drink green smoothies (laughs) don't talk loudly in bars after the show you got to save your voice you know wear wear a condo all this shit uh, that everyone knows now um So, yeah, that was a time where just no one knew how to handle it. and uh Well, that's a that, great point. It's now. That's
0: a great point. And, and it leads to a point that we've discovered really recently through some news items, which is this idea that we're getting to the the first generation of rock stars to, to be so old that they've lived to a point of, you know, getting into their 70s and 80s. Like, you know, this is the mm-hmm. first generation to really do that. And so you have what what good is point. actually an elder abuse case with Motley Crue where there is a inner band conflict about how they've treated Mick Mars and it's literally being fought in court as a case of like abusing someone who is over a certain age which so we wow that's unprecedented territory for rock and roll yeah because rock point. and roll's only been around for that long right like they came in pretty early and so to think that through about like what precedent does this set going forward and then also like you know to your point about A guy thoughtfully writing music that deals a lot with mental health, not the stuff they were writing about in the 70s and 80s. Right. And how does all of this coalesce for the next generation of musicians about about attitudes, about how you write songs and how you make money writing songs and what is art and all of this sort of stuff? Right. Just through societal attitudes and changes in a world where, you know, yeah, we look back and laugh about you know, chicks lining up outside the backstage doors, you put it or whatever. But like now that's like pretty gross, right? Like we don't publicly, like we're in a, we're in a phase of pop culture where we're like, eh, you know, consent's pretty important. And so like, you know, all of these yeah. things sort of coalescing, where is it going to, where's it going to send us next?
1: Yeah. No one really respects the party boy anymore. You know, it's, it's actually kind of a Marvel. Like that, that was cool at one point anyway, you know, it's like, it's cool to be a piece of shit. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> it was a different time so whatever
0: but uh whoo yikes um <laughs> so you know tell me a little bit about where you know what you guys are doing now and where you're headed and what's you know what's in the future for uh for for new as a as a band and endeavor
1: yeah yeah we just uh we got back from an east coast tour and a south southern tour um supporting this album called friend rock where you know every song has like a guest on it who's been like a musical influence of mine over the years so um yeah we did like i don't know 24 dates and 35 days or something and so I, i'm feeling good man it was like i was pretty stressed out about like that really initial grind and i just i had a some pretty bad mental wobbles to start things off i just get really unnecessarily stressed about, if, about like big events, like an album release show in our hometown. It's just like, uh, I just had, I lost my voice. I was having panic attacks. It was horrible. So I, you know, um, I ended up spending like $400 on rehab just to be able to tour. Like I went, I got vitamin, I got a vitamin shot in my ass. <laughs> I got a, 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 IV drip to get rid of my cold. I went and got uh, a massage and then I got hypnotherapy all in like a week because I was just like having horrible panic attacks. But anyway, got through it. Um, and yeah, we just played a bunch in Florida and uh, Georgia, New York, Delaware, all these kind of out there places. So it was awesome, man. We love Florida, walking around in short shorts, getting sun. And, um, and now we're heading out uh, to the West Coast, to the Pacific Northwest uh, next week. So, so, so- trucking along.
0: You know, you mentioned hypnotherapy. I actually had a conversation with someone recently about the effectiveness of that. Is that you, you like that? Is that good for you?
1: I would recommend it's worth trying. I mean, I've always... Been, I, I went in to uh, try to conquer some phobias. Um, I did two sessions. Like, people use it to quit smoking a lot, to conquer phobias, just neurotic tics, stuff like that. Um, you know, it didn't cure my phobias. Like, I went in for, you know voice loss phobia panic attacks and it it's always great like i always leave feeling great and calmed and zenned out but it, it, for me it it's probably takes more sessions um to really kind of tackle something permanently but I, yeah I, I would definitely recommend it
0: i talked to someone recently who was talking about a, a therapist of some milk that they had been recommended to and they'd gotten into and it was like special and they went to the first uh they went to the first meeting, and he said, "Tell me what's you know, tell me what's been bothering you." And the guy said, "Well, I keep having this dream. This very vivid dream ever since I was a kid, where I can fly, <clears throat> and I fly around, and I you know I see everything, and and then I wake. Like, what what do you think that means?" And the guy just looks at him and goes, "How do you know you're dreaming? Maybe this is oh, the nice. dream." And the guy goes. Yeah, I never went back. <laughs> After that, yeah. I was like, I can't handle that. I can't handle that. I got to I got it. I'm, I'm done. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. Some real deep ethereal shit there.
0: <laughs> now, every time I have this dream, I'm like, fuck, what's going on? Uh, but yeah, man, that's a that's I, I years ago when I was like first started in radio. <laughs> so the, the thing about when, I, when you get in radio, people used to. You know before it died as an industry, uh, you'd have the sales department and they would like go and sell whatever, right They just sell they'd sell the stuff off the wall if they could. And so this guy comes in I'm really young and he's like, hey, so I've sold this endorsement to a to a hypnotherapist. I need you to go get some hypnotherapy and then talk about it And I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess. so i went to like of course it's like you think you're going to some you know mystic like i in my head i thought yeah it's gonna be like you know there's gonna be scarves on the wall and you know you know there's gonna be chimes and dream catchers and it was like in an office park (laughs) so there was like an office chair in the place at least in the office chair
1: nothing more soul crushing than a strip mall and like an office (laughs) park for like medical help (laughs) yeah just brutal
0: <laughs> yeah it was i mean I, my main takeaway was like all right i feel more relaxed you know like i don't know if i got up and did something while this was happening or you know if, if she got information out of me or whatever yeah. took my credit card number but I, it was good um but yeah, that was she like can 25 your years ago. now it's much right. more you know it's much more common for that sort of thing to be
1: i wonder i wonder when it gets to the point where we can actually control our own dreams or like that could be pretty cool. Like maybe you don't get to pick which kind of dreams you have, but you get to steer. You get to like be like almost fully conscious while you're in the dream and like steer yourself around or fly around. It feels like, like that's
0: got it. That's got to be soon. This is like I, I think that could be something. I saw an, an article in Fortune magazine yesterday where you know they're raising alarm bells because it's like generative AI has gotten so good that there's an influencer on Snapchat who's 23 who is selling an AI version of herself for a dollar a minute to be your girlfriend. Yeah, and yeah. My reaction to that was like, of course. Like, why, why is anyone yeah. shocked that this is where we went first? This feels like we yeah. all should have known. The fir- I mean, we saw her. That was a decade ago, right? Like, yeah. This this is clearly where we're headed. The dream navigation thing seems like it's definitely next
1: yeah well that's a whole bag of hammers but i i yeah I, I think uh these are these last final years of being like almost totally human you know we gotta we gotta really enjoy them because I'm like, <laughs> it's I'm not gonna I'm... last forever and uh i think there will be like a you know there will be an alternative like culture that'll be like you know human shit only human music only i'm not yeah. gonna listen to ai music but uh that'll be a niche. And, uh, you know, I I don't think the mainstream or the, 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 wider population really cares if their music is made by humans or robots. And if you can't tell anyway, then I mean, what do you really do? So I don't know. I've gone through some dark, uh, some dark rabbit holes in my brain thinking about this stuff and like art being replaced. And I think just like AI art, you can't, it has to have a different name. Like you can't call it art because to me, art is like a human language. It's like a, yeah. A, a human emotional language um so if it's made by a robot or an algorithm it, it we need a different word for it i don't know what that word is but um chart or something <laughs> but it can't be art <laughs>
0: So I'm married to an artist who would say the same thing, Um, you know, as as that started to really in the last year or so, things would crop up in fan groups and different communities and stuff. She would be a part of where people would be showing, oh, look, this is this thing I generated with AI. It's yes, I think you're right. I think as opposed to necessarily being alarmed or frustrated by it, let's just recategorize it. Right. Like, let's call it something else. I think that that may be the best middle ground that exists. do Do you know the band Our Lady Peace from Canada? Yes, I I know them. So they had they did a record when I was in high school, so two thousand or something, um, called Spiritual Machines, where they took Ray Kurzweil's futurist writings and had him record p- sections from the book and put them in between the songs. One of my favorite records of all time. So they okay. did Spiritual Machines Part Two last year, um, and they open it with him saying that out of all the predictions that were on the first record that were just from his writings, but all those <laughs> predictions that were listed were all like 85% of them have come true. And then I was like, I want to opt out from listening to the second record. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because, you know what I mean? Like if if that if he's nailed it, like he knows where we're going. And you know, a lot of it does have to do with this sort of thing around, you know, where we're going in terms of machines fully integrating into the way we write about definition of terms.
1: Yeah, I, I guess the one of the weirder things is like what happens when you like you you don't have to put effort into getting skills where you can just download skills. Yeah, like I just uh, that to me is is the hardest to wrap my head around where like uh, you just like download languages into your brain or you can just like all of a sudden, like never miss a three point shot with a, a certain microchip, you know, it's like, like no effort has to be expelled ever. And there's like no push and pull and no challenge anymore. Right. I mean, I guess that's where we become just full donut people, just like vegetable urchins, you know, yeah. like the people in, in WALL-E
0: that are sitting in the recliners drinking smoothies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That kind of shit, you know? So I don't know, man, it's a, uh, I like being a person to me like the worst to me like losing your humanity is worse than death you know so uh, I don't want to be a cyborg yet but um, I'm sure a lot of a lot of people do so do do what do what you want to do people
0: <laughs> We're very, very permissive on this show Yeah, just listen if you, you want to be a robot it's cool just go do it over there uh, so when do you head to the west coast this week Tuesday uh, what month is
1: it it's May So we go Tuesday, I don't know what day it is, Brian. Oh, the 23rd, we play in Seattle and then Bend, Oregon, and then Portland and then Port Angeles. So that's coming. Uh, It's actually our first time out there. So could be tough. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't know.
0: Are you, do you, do you fly out and drive or do you, are you driving all the way out from Milwaukee? It,
1: no, it's a fly out. Um, so, you know, I'm in the midst of like, uh, organizational hell like trying to line up drum sets and a bass amp and you know getting all the gear in time to get to the venue and borrowing an amp from the other band in Seattle so all this kind of crap that uh you know I didn't necessarily sign up for but it's just part of how it goes and it's fine
0: yeah yeah you learn a lot of or that's the other thing you know when you when we talk about rock history and rumors and stuff and, and bands partying all the time it's like somebody had to be you know, getting them to the venue and figuring out how to get them. There's a lot of logistics to pulling off a rock.
1: Oh yeah. Babysitting, you know, that's a (laughs) real, some call it tour management. (laughs) (laughs) Handlers.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: I want a handler. That's when you know you've really made it big. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Call my people, and they'll call your people, and yeah, no, that's yeah. You, you.
1: I just love saying that. Like, I'll have my people call your people. Yeah, you know, right? It just feels good to say. I recommend
0: everyone try it, <laughs> even if you have no people. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You're, you, you know, you know, bringing this back to robots. That's the thing. I'm getting emails all the time. It's like, do you have a VA? And I was like, a VA, a Veterans Administration? Is that, isn't that a hospital? What are you talking about? Virtual assistant. That's what that means.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah, I mean, dude, by next year, you'll probably be able... You won't even have to do podcasts anymore if you don't want to. You're like, oh, I want to take a week off. Just download your Brian AI. He makes an episode <laughs> with, like, Butch Big AI, you know? And then, like, no one knows the difference.
0: I think that's coming, dude. <laughs> I think that's 100% on its way, for sure.
1: Oh, for sure. That's
0: awesome. Dude, thanks for hanging out, man. This has been awesome. It's so good to catch up with you. And I'm uh, so excited about everything happened with the band. And thanks for sharing sharing your stories and having fun with us.
1: Thanks, Brian. You're a, you're, a, you're a pro of pros. It's good to talk to you again. Um, we'll, we got to get to Louisville so we can hang in real life. It's, it's not a place I get to enough. So uh, yeah, keep fighting the good fight and you're an awesome question asker. So thanks for your interest in, in our
0: band and arts and culture. Oh, thanks, dude. Appreciate you.
2: You can call it quits, saying things that mean nothing like it is what it is.